Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet again a, a special speculate a special event on this channel. Another episode of Girl by Moonlight Fractal Spire, and in, in fact, a very special episode because this is hopefully the time when we bring peace to the dream once and for all. But I am very excited to be here with all of my strange friends. Say hello, strange friends. Hello, strange friends. Hi, strange friends. <laughs> hello. Hi. And we are all very excited to uh, re-enter the dream with you all. A reminder to all of you lovely people in chat that there are so many lovely ways that you can support Speculate and the content that takes place on this channel, including checking out the brand new SpeculatorStuff.com. Our good, wonderful co-host, uh, Michael R. Underwood, has been very diligently repairing our website after the conspiracy did some very serious damage to it. If you've been having issues listening to past episodes on your favorite podcatcher, that was why the conspiracy didn't want you to hear our escapades. But that has since been resolved. You should be able to re listen to quite a few of the episodes that are presently up right now. And if you want to continue helping us in the process to repair the website and make more cool content for you, patreon.com slash speculate is the place where you can financially support us doing so. With that being said, I would like to let all of these lovely people please introduce yourselves to all of these lovely people in chat, starting with Mike. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike, writing as Michael R. Underwood. I'm an author, podcaster, pro-GM, game designer. I keep collecting hats. I like hats, but sometimes it's too many. Uh, my uh, latest books are also my first books. The Re-Reyes series is back out in ebook and now in paperback, and you can find those at any bookstore. And I am working on various game things, as well as the Speculate website, he, him pronouns for me. Today, I am playing Vic Sains, the guardian who uses they, them pronouns. That's me. Nice. Next, Valerie. Hello, I am Valerie Valdez. Uh, she, her pronouns for me. I am the author of the Chilling Effect trilogy, which you can also buy in stores and online. I'm also author of the forthcoming Where Peace is Lost, a really cool planetary romance space fantasy fun times Book. I stream as the kids are asleep if you ever want to watch me play video games. And I will be playing Nina Lopez, the unlikely hero, she, her pronouns for her. Yes. Next, Yoi. Hello from the past, strange viewers. I am Yoi Gawain Lin, game and fiction writer, he, they pronouns for me. Tonight, I'm going to be playing, as always, Vermilion Jingwei Ruth, the outsider. He, they pronouns for Ruth as well, though most of the times he is simply a he. And his better quote-unquote half uses she-they pronouns. And last but not least, Yori. Happy time zone, friends! Kusno Yori, they-them pronouns for me. I am the author of the forthcoming Hybrid Heart, which... If all goes well and no supply chain issues ensue, should be on sale at the end of March from Neon Hemlock. I am also required to tell you by FTC regulations and corporate policy that I am a wizard of the coast. I don't work on anything you've heard of. Don't at me about it. As always, I am playing Cat Holly, the time traveler. She, her pronouns for Cat. Nice. And as for me, I am your humble stage manager this evening, Brian O'Brien, pronouns they them or he him i 
wrote a poetry collection called Can You Send My Tentacle? It's actually pretty dope. I am just very excited to continue doing the thing. So let's just get into the recap of all of the wonderful uh, escapades that our uh, Dream Knights have gotten into thus far. Uh, after several weeks of getting in direct conflict with the conspiracy, learning that the worst half of a friend of theirs who was all, already very weird and bad and awkward and hostile is still around and still doing weird things, and learning that the wealthiest person in Cloud Harbor is potentially attempting to wield the dream for all kinds of strange purposes. Our dream knights escape a Dreamshine Technologies party with the dream version of Rustam Demir's young sister in tow. And in the process of doing so, learn a lot of strange things about the dream, some potentially weird things about why Rustam cares about the dream, and that someone is still pulling the strings here, and Rustam is terribly afraid of that person and wants to resolve this problem once and for all, presumably for Aisha's sake. So, Rustam has personally recruited the Dream Knights to meet him at an abandoned warehouse elsewhere in Cloud Harbor with the deliberate intention of going back into the Dream so that his little sister can stop glitching and no longer being corporeal, and has recruited a good number of other persons of interest, including Siobhan, who we're still not sure is an ally or not, Love, who was just along for the ride, apparently, and, unbeknownst to everyone until just very, very recently, their good friend, question mark, Euphony, who is also present. And with that, as we catch back up immediately from the site of... Nina and Ruth turning around to notice that Euphony is present. Nina, I would like to ask you to flash back with me for a moment. When you first joined this group of very eccentric people, before you really reckoned with what the dream looked like, at one point when Euphony brought you into a dream with at least one other uh, member of this team in tow. That was the very first time that you saw Euphony actively bring someone's avatar out of them. Who was that? Uh, so it was Vic. Was anyone else there at the time in the dream? Or was it just uh, you, Vic, and Euphony? No, I, I think that... I think everyone else was there, and if if not, then definitely Cat, because I don't think Nina's ever been like alone in the dream with other people as a rule. Whenever she went in our you know past season one that that happened before we started, she didn't go often. Initially, she didn't know what was happening. She just thought she was dreaming, and it took time for her to realize that this these were waking dreams and that she could potentially interact with, manipulate them, and so. When when she finally saw someone transcend, I think everybody else was there. Very briefly, because Vic, you are also obviously present here, what are the circumstances upon which you think you had that first conversation with Euphony about what transcendence looks like? Is this something that you're willing to do? 
do you still have any trepidations about it at all? I think Euphony first brought it up at the the bar that we, the players and audience, saw a couple of episodes ago that is a place that Euphony is well known. And Euphony was kind of giving probably part three or four of the pitch of here's what's going on and talked about transcendence as a form of like becoming your full self of individuation of realizing your potential um, and downplay the degree to which the degree to which the avatar is their own person even if that they are that person is a part of you and just talked about the really the positive aspects of transcendence and said that there may be a time in a mission where they are not able to overcome an obstacle on their own and that they're going to have to help, quotey fingers, help uh, Vic transcend. So in this dream, in this moment, as things are getting massively dire, you are more or less trapped in this situation, surrounded by enemies at all sides, kind of just kind of walling yourself off in a session of the dream, uh, looking for your next move. And Euphony essentially explains to you, well, this is the moment of truth. Either it happens now or it doesn't happen at all. And at that moment, you hear a voice from inside you. What is the very first thing that your avatar has ever said to you? The time for words is over. Yep, that sounds like deep to me. Um, Nina, what you see next, even though you have like no immediate context for what is about to happen, the thing that you see next immediately leads to Vic's very first transcendence. And you get the very clear sense that while this is a thing that Vic is prepared for, it is being triggered by Euphony. Euphony is making this happen. What is the thing that you see? So what Nina sees is Euphony reaches out towards Vic, like hand up, kind of reaching, and then sings a scale that starts with a low note and then goes up to like a glass shattering high note. And then when it hits that, like, high, Euphony holds it just long enough to be uncomfortable. And Vic kind of freezes. And and their skin and clothes start to sort of shake like, like a glass that, you know, you're just hitting the right note. Just starts to shake and then crack. And then pieces start to just fall off, like pieces of ceramic or like like thick paint chipping off of a thing. And once that's finished, then what's left is deed. What is the look on Euphony's face when this happens for the very first time? Euphony looks pleased, like satisfied. It, it is it is the kind of look like. Nina has has seen it. She's gone to baseball games with her dad. 
starting little like she didn't play in little league but they'd go to like cousins you know little league games and that sort of thing so it's it's the face of someone whose child has just performed an excellent trick basically and they are pleased and then we slowly fade from that scene to you looking at euphony now with a shit-eating grin as they eat your cookies that you brought with you specifically to have something to snack on for this mission. And, like, they look at you and go, what are you looking at? Cookies? Yeah, they're actually very good. Thank you. Ruth snatches the cookies back and shoves them into Nina's hand and says, get your own, you piece of shit. Euphony does that thing where, you know when people, like, fake frown, but they're also obviously not trying to hide that they're still very pleased with themselves? That's how Euphony looks right now. And then... you eat so many of them so fast? From the other, like, from just a few feet away further in this warehouse, uh, Rustam clears his throat and goes, Is everyone ready, or do we need... A moment for you all to work something out. Ruth is ready to work something out right now, but it wouldn't be good for the show. <laughs> good! Pat would sure like to just work things out by braining someone with her purse, but... Nina eats a cookie. This calms Ruth down a little bit. Grand, cool, so... Perhaps... And... Uh, Rustam walks up to like a central part of the space between everyone else who is present. Uh, gently, uh, like, pats the top of Aisha's head as uh, he walks toward the group of you, and everyone kind of converges at a central point. And he goes, So I don't know a great deal about how the dream works, but I know some parts. We're here because this is one of the few properties that I owned before I started buying up land for Dreamshine business space outright. So I know that a lot of folks don't know that I have this place, which is where I stored this. And then he points all the way to the other side of the warehouse, and you see against like one of the load-bearing pillars is this large, like... 10 foot by 8 foot something covered by a tarp. Uh, you get the very vague impression that it is at least flat surfaced, but you have no idea what it is um, very immediately. And he goes, that is a, That's a nice, nice tarp. Thank you. You will see what's there. Well, you know what's there anyway. You already, like, you've done these things before, which is why you're here anyway. So, that's how you're going to get in, and you're going to go straight to wherever you see the thing happening. Again, I don't know how this functions, but that's your way in. When you get there, we're going to have to resolve a lot of things in the dreamscape immediately. I'm going to need someone's advice on what those things are. Siobhan, if you don't mind personally joining me for that part while all of the actual heavy lifting is done by 
the people who I trust. At which point, uh, Rustam actually turns to the four of you and settles his gaze on Vic. Ruth looks fucking outraged. I get the impression that there's gonna be a lot of struggle inside there. I don't mean to imply that you're essentially my hired muscle, but this is a thing that you're good at, and I'm not gonna get. I it would be reckless of me to give it to anybody else. I'm sure you understand. So you need us to fight through something to reunite Aisha with herself. Yes. Like, a dream is part of the body, so it can't be out of the body. But now I need to find how to put it back, because all dreamscape is just landscape. It's, I don't, this, this doesn't make any sense to me. All of the notes that they gave me, you know what? I, all, I, I need to fix this. Your first mistake here is demanding sense from the dream. I get that now. I get that they lied to me and told me that this was something that I could structure, that I could make sense of. That the thing that I was making would have made sense of it, which is the other part. And then he looks down at his very expensive watch. And then he immediately says, Shit. Okay, we need to move, and starts walking towards the tarp. Right, Vic power walks past him, getting ready to tear the tarp off. Cat discreetly elbows Ruth and murmurs, <laughs> All that money, and not a fucking cell of his brain equipped to detect bullshit. Amazing. He deserves what he gets, then. Cat, I wanted to give me a one-die fortune roll. Oh, ho, ho. I don't care if he hears me. <laughs> is this how many brain cells of sense he has? <laughs> this is how many brain cells That's a he has? three. That's a three. I guess he's working with a whole three brain cells. Yeah? Okay, cool. That was literally to find out whether he does hear you or not. He doesn't hear you. Would have been fine if he did. <laughs> So, as you are all walking, he continues speaking as he says, So we don't have a lot of time. I put a branch of Dreamshine already in charge of the launch for this project. So we need to get out of the dream before that happens. I've been assured that time in the dream is actually dilated. So I trust that you all have... uh, an hour, I guess, in the dream. Well, 50 minutes at least. Everyone who does decide to look at the time notices that it is uh, five minutes to the top of the hour. Want to tell us anything about what we're going to see, or are you just going to back, uh, backseat driver? Inside? I don't know. I want you all to tell me, but we don't have time now, so I'm just going to have to go and see it. So... Someone's going to have to show me it in real time. I'm going to have to really hope that I am as agile in the dream as you all are. Because I'm going to have to take her with me and I don't want anything to happen to her. 
all of you noticed, by the way, that Aisha is like literally struggling to keep up with the group of you all, and is only managing to stay within walking range of Rustam because there are two members of Dreamshine staff literally making sure she doesn't stray too far from the group. And Nina will try to kind of hang back to be closer to her, just to, if nothing else, for moral support. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vic tears the tarp off. What do we see? You see a large prism. It's like this. It looks like it's cut from like a ruby or a very dark red sapphire. Just like one big gemstone. Like it is so large that if every single individual one of you decided to stand equidistant from you from each other, you would all get one large facet of this crystal to look into by yourself. And then he goes, I could have just bought a mirror, but I figured they would know if I did. I literally had to go through several shell companies and some criminals to make sure I could get something that the rest of them wouldn't know was specifically for this purpose. Oh no, criminals. Rustam turns to you in this moment and goes, I don't have time to be corrective of your snark, so I will simply say, I deserve that. Let's move on. I trust you all know the next thing that happens here, because I don't. Yeah. So my, uh, I have a pitch that is, we pair up, like, uh, Dream Knight and person who doesn't know how to go into the dream, rather mm-hmm. than doing one big chain. Also, we have a career advancement to pick before we head into this engagement, so we should Ooh, do yeah, that. Yeah, that might be important. Yeah, this is true. Do you have a thing in mind already? Well, the one that is most instantly pertinent, I think, is moment of crisis when factoring your engagement role. If you answer yes to, does this mission determine the fate of a friend? Game plus 2D instead of plus 1D. Game plus 1D when you help a friend recover from emotional harm. That is from our own series playlist abilities. I'm sorry, I'm definitely saying that wrong. Uh, But anyway, that is from our series abilities. But we are also able to take crew advancements from other series play sheets. And there were a few that were interesting to the group. And we can read them off here, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, I will say that this being hopefully your final engagement, that would be particularly useful. The one remaining transcendent ability we have from the crew upgrades is hold back the nightmare. While you are transcended, any eclipse roll of four or five counts as a six. While transcended and in eclipse, roll a plus one D on actions to frighten or upset others. That is again from our own series play sheet. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is also a lot of value in that as well. The two others from other playsheets that interested us were I won't allow it. If you take fatal harm while transcended, you don't die. When your transcendence ends, roll eclipse. If you succeed, you're out of action for the remainder of the mission, but still alive. If you fail, whatever power held death at bay fades and you die. Who catches you when you fall? 
The second one was unshakable. While transcended, each protagonist gains plus one D to all resistance rolls, which sounds great. It's just yeah. um, be less squishy. Just to be less squishy. I don't know what play series those are from. Uh, Mike, you were the one who chose those two. So uh, I... I do not recall the very latest names for these series, so apologies if I'm using old names. The Unshakable is from In the Kingdom of Dawn, which is the playset that is kind of um, sort of She-Ra Sailor Moon informed as I see it, and I Won't Allow It is from the one that's kind of most Madoka-ish in my mind. Uh, It has the kind of uh, shaded diamond logo. Um, and so tonally, those those line up. The one that's just "You're tougher, you can do it" is from the the kind of more uh, optimistic, bouncier version. And I won't allow it is the like, "Don't give up just yet. Heroically do a thing before you die." Ultimately, I guess the question then is how far, how close? I guess do we want to push our characters to death? <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you all as stage manager. Tonight's going to be a little tough. I think Everything that you just <laughs> described is potentially useful. I feel like I won't allow it is more likely to make an interesting moment. But it's another thing to have to keep track of. So do any of these sound fun narratively and or mechanically to other folks? I'm really excited by I won't allow it because... If we just look at basic probability, an eclipse is likely for someone in this room. (laughs) At at least half of you are in eclipse territory, so it's only fair. Personally, I narratively enjoy I Won't Allow It just because it dovetails really interestingly into the fact that it's not Cat's first rodeo in this season. And it's just, I don't know. It would be neat to me if the I and I won't allow it is cat. Yeah. The implication being that the reason why everyone has this like lifeline is because cat's been on the merry-go-round and this time she draws the right card or she gets the correct premonition or I don't know. There's that flash of insight at just the right moment. And the person who technically should have died, just gets a really big boo-boo instead. Mm-hmm. Valerie, how do you feel about that? I am with you. Shall, nice. shall we call it there? All right. Cool. I have I added so. it to the notion. Aha, noted. With that being said, that means that the questions that we're asking for engagement are the exact same questions as before. So, is this mission particularly heroic or noble? Take plus one D, so that's already one for share luck plus one. Does the mission's goal or methods reflect the worst part of the protagonist? Nope. Is this mission following through on the details from the protagonist's investigation? Yes. Take plus one. I mean, the results of that investigation are literally joining you, so of course it does. Are the protagonists acting rashly or on very little information? Uh... There is technically a thing that you don't know that will inform this. So, unfortunately, it goes back to two. There's still hope. 
Does this mission determine the fate of a friend to take plus one D? Yes. Uh, I hate to be that person, but because we haven't yet filled out the indoctrination chart, we do get another minus one. So we're back to two. Yep. Aha. Uh, right. Uh, uh, are there any other elements that I want to consider? Hmm. You're getting plus one because Aisha is here. Because Aisha is here. And... Yeah, you're getting plus one because uh, Euphony is here. That takes us to four? Mm-hmm. Yes, four. Math, we can do it. Is there anything taking this away? No. All of, everything else is already accounted for. You're fortunate. Four dice for the engagement roll. I would like to, unless someone is absolutely positively insistent upon doing the thing, I would like to insist that Nina rolls engagement. <laughs> yay, yay. Okay, here we go. Okay, Can so. Do it. Engagement. Okay, 4d6. Ooh. That's a 1, a 6, a 2, and a 4. Okay. That's very, very good. You are in a controlled position and the action starts. So, since we're paired off at this moment between individuals who know how to travel through the dream and individuals who don't, there are four people, there are exactly four people present here who have never entered the dream before. Two members of Dreamshine staff, Rustam, and Aisha. Does anyone have any preference who they'd like to travel through the mirror with? Not Nina? Rustam. Aisha. Okay, Nina's going with Aisha. I'll take Rustam. Vic and Rustam, nice. <laughs> so I guess you just have two nondescript dream shine staff members left. Cat you- elbows her dream shine staffer and goes, I have to ask. You're not an intern, right? You have health insurance before we do this? <laughs> a very timid, uh, short, <laughs> like tremendously awkward young woman in a suit turns to you very awkwardly, like, like her head turns very, very slowly as she regards you very curiously and goes, I don't think they give me that paperwork. Okay, see, that's going to be kind of a problem. This is kind of a dangerous thing. The danger can be to your body. This is absolutely one of those situations where if you get injured in here, we're going to need to file workman's comp. And also, they should absolutely be giving you hazard pay for this. Let's go dream something, huh? They didn't say overtime. We'll see. Overtime and hazard pay are legal, different things. Rustam, you're gonna uh, you're gonna uh, you're gonna voluntarily recognize the Dream Dreamshine Union after this, right? Let's talk about this again. In looks at watch again. <laughs> Four minutes. Uh, when when Rustam starts uh, talking, Vic bloops into the prism. Uh, okay, does everyone else 
go through the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, into the prism with us. Into the prism. I would like to say that just as Ruth and Kat take their appointed, possibly red shirt, Dreamshine employees in through the prism, there's that like brief ripple when you go through a reflective surface where time kind of stills a little. Reality is a bit weird, funky. And you can have whole conversations in this space. And so Ruth quickly brushes his fingers against Kat's arm, but in the transition through into the dream, it feels like he's taking her arm. And he says, Listen, I know you're up to weird shit. I know you know weird shit. You don't have to tell me the weird shit. But if you need me somewhere, tell me, and I'll do it. Cat fumbles around until she finds his hand, and just squeezes it and goes, I'll tell you when we run into something we need. He squeezes her hand back, and they are through the mirror. <laughs> Prism. <laughs> okay. All of you emerge in the dream, and just... As you like, just as you step out, just as there is still enough of reality outside, you hear like a very loud, very shrill kind of like staticky noise, like just as you enter into the dream. And the minute you all like land solidly in the dream, the sound is gone. But immediately afterward, Rustam is looking back behind him. And when he realizes, oh, it's just more dream. We are now in the dream. There is no way back out unless I find a mirror here. He's like, fuck. I think, I think this, I think someone screwed up. Okay, we no longer have 40 minutes. We now just have to do this. Okay. The Dreamshine employee next to you, uh, Ruth, looks around at the other Dreamshine employee and then turns back to Rustam and goes, I thought you said they weren't going to press the button until the top of the hour. Rustam shrugs and goes, either they did this specifically to screw with us or somebody pressed the button too early, but if that's what that's supposed to be, the eye is active. So we kind of have to go. I don't know what happens at this point. I don't know how this thing works. Let's just get inside. Oh, I hate this. Ruth thinks quietly to Ruthless. God, I hope he dies. You notice, by the way, that now that you have uh, emerged in the dream, you are in a version of Cloud Harbor that is Perpetual Night. And ahead of you is the Cloud Harbor Mirador. It's a weird kind of dream night where you can see the moon and you can see clouds and both of them seem like they're simultaneously moving very quickly and not moving at all. And you can tell that street lamps are on on all of the streets. When you turn to look at one, it's off. And there are no cars or other people here, because obviously it's a dream. And you see that there is a light that is on at the very highest penthouse floor of the mirror door. 
All right, everybody needs to stay together. Don't let your mind wander. Stay in the moment. Understood. And Rustam calls uh, Aisha closer to him. Siobhan is just kind of lingering beside Rustam as this happens and goes, Do we need to stay in groups of two? Can we go in together? What happens now? Uh, Ruth looks to Vic and says, The usual, as in after you, because Vic usually goes in first if Ruth is not having a temper tantrum. The buddy system is a good idea. And then Vic will walk up to the doors. And I want, I, what I'd love to do is the, is the Aragorn, uh, the, the Aragorn thing. But if the doors are locked, I will kick it open. The doors give way to you very easily. You swing it open and it looks exactly like the Mirador. Nina, because you work in the Mirador proper, um, you notice very awkwardly that the piano that is usually in the lobby with its own dedicated uh, pianist the piano and said pianist are still in the lobby but are playing music backward it's a song that you think you know but you can't place it because it's being played backward and it's very off-putting the rest of the lobby is kind of weird like there are like very ornate furniture pieces in the lobby for when like folks are waiting for an elevator or just kind of gathering at the lobby after like buying something to eat or drink at some of the higher floors. All of those pieces of furniture are now warped. Like every single face of those pieces are now like just kind of doing weird things and they just all look like sculptures of what broken furniture would look like and other than that there's just the elevator to go up to higher floors cat is very carefully escorting her new pet dreamshine employee through this as though she is escorting an extremely drunk customer <laughs> like explicitly pointing out and steering them around obstacles <laughs> making sure to signal verbally all trans transitions like okay we are going to move to the next floor mm -hmm. your dream shine em employee cat is like very awkward about this entire thing you can tell like she's deathly afraid but is also not trying to obviously give that away to anyone and it's just make her very timid and like very obviously crawling back into herself What's mine? <laughs> your your Dreamshine staff member is a very heavy set, dark skinned man. You get the very vague impression just looking at him that he may have been former military or private security before taking this job. And now you're very curious what his job is because he's in a suit like the other guy, and you can tell like he's you can tell that he's obviously not armed. Like it doesn't make sense. You think that he's you you previously assumed that he must have been just another number cruncher, and then you got the vibe that he's been in some fights before. And now he just doesn't make sense to you anymore. Ruth is okay with that because Ruth has also been in fights and Ruth generally wins. And this is a dream, so Ruth will extra win. 
So he is not nearly as kind as Kat, especially because he does not trust these Dreamshine employees to not pull something double-crossy at the last moment. So his guidance mostly is stay beside me and don't do stupid shit and keeping an eye on new buddy system buddy. Mm-hmm. Do you let do you let this guy know that? Oh yeah, that- I tell him overtly stay next to me and don't do stupid shit, but I don't say I totally think that you are going to betray us at some point. Mm-hmm. When you tell him that he says Understood, sir. You have seniority here. You've actually been in this operation before. I defer to your judgment. Like, with 100% trust. Ruth's first thought is, Jesus Christ, why can't Dice be like this? Wow. Dice will remember that. So, is everyone making it to the elevator? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. You all walk towards the elevator, press the elevator button, the press the uh, upper button. You notice that even though you already instinctively know what these buttons are because you've all been to the Mirador at least once before, these symbols are just now obscure alchemical symbols instead of the up and down arrows. And you press the button, and I would like each of you to give me a defy role. In, I'm going to ask each of you to do it one by one so I can note it all individually. Can I get mics first? Okay. Let's see what Bic has to do. Because we got a six, is this a controlled position? Yes, your position is controlled. Your effect is... Your effect is limited. Okay. That is a four and a six. Right, six is good. Let's see Nina next. Hell yeah. Six That's is good. Nice. Let's see Ruth next. Watch me fuck this up. <laughs> good, I trust you. It's a five and a three, so not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Noted. And cat. That's a three. Aha, okay, cool. So. <laughs> The elevator door opens, and inside you see this bright flash of light come toward you. When you regain your senses, you have already traveled within the dream. And I'm going to start with the, the person with the lowest defy role, which is Cat. Okay. Cat, very briefly, when the light fades, you are in complete darkness. And then you feel a spotlight upon you. It's coming from a place you can't tell, just pure spotlight. And as you notice the ground beneath you in this spotlight, you notice, I know these tiles from somewhere. You are insomnia. As your eyes act. At this point, I would like to draw a card. Do you? Okay, cool. Okay, okay, okay. I would like you... You know what? (laughs) I would like you to give me a D99 roll. Okay. 
What's an 81 get me? 81, let's see. God, so many cards have come up in the last few sessions. This would be wild. Oh yeah, this is noteworthy. 81 is a card called the Housekeeper. It is the card that typically comes up when the dream wants to say either that there is a mess that needs to be cleaned or that you're doing a very good job of dealing with a thing that you did not know was a mess beforehand. Which means that very fortunately, you are simultaneously the person who is going to notice a thing very quickly and unfortunately because of your defy role, be ill-equipped to respond to it even though it's not going to pose an immediate threat to you. Mm -hmm. Which is, as you acclimate to the uh, light insomnia, the dream represent, re represents your acclamation as light pouring into the room more. At which point you notice it just looks like a normal day at Somnio, except the booth that is, like, somewhere central to the room, like one of the most awkward places to sit, especially if you seek privacy, because it's designed to be the booth that semi-faces the stage for whenever one of uh, your fellow staff members or a musical guest comes to like perform a set. And therefore, it is a place where everyone needs to walk past to get to or from the bar. It's the worst seat in the house. And sitting in it is Euphony. The Euphony that you met before all of this had happened. Uh, the version that had not yet embraced full transcendence. And... Their table is full of empty glasses and plates full of half-eaten or three-quarters-eaten food, like just piles of mess on this table. And they turn to you as you're standing, like, literally right next to them. And they say to you in a tone of voice that you can very clearly hear, even though it seems as if they are speaking softly against the din of the rest of the floor. They say to you exactly the words, I keep on having this dream where I'm stuck in a hole and I can't get out. And as they finish saying those words, you feel the rest of Somnio get like bigger or taller around you. And then you notice, no, it's not that it, space is getting bigger. It's that you're sinking into something, and so is Euphony. And you can see through it into the rest of Somnio. But you don't, you, you try to move in it, and you suddenly realize that you can't move. And then you Where's hear my this. my Dreamshine employee, Brandon? You are by yourself. Your Dreamshine colleague is lost in the sauce oh. elsewhere. And as you have that thought... Great. Yes. I love this. I love not being responsible for an extra stranger in this moment. <laughs> and as you have this thought, you hear a crunching sound. You're like this vigorous kind of like, like it sounds like concrete is breaking from very far away. And it keeps getting closer and closer and closer to you. And then, out of the corner of your eye, just above uh, the, the edge of this hole, 
that you are very slowly sinking in. You see the euphony that came with you all to the warehouse charge through the concrete wall of Somnio east of the bar, shake off large pieces of stone from their shoulders and go, what the fuck is going on? And that's where we're going to take a very quick break. <laughs> <laughs> the theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band The Road. Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com. Hi everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role-playing in my life? Can I recommend arvaneleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and many other fine podcast providers. Thanks, and we'll see you over there.